This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Today, we are going to build a perfect playing partner. Nick, I think we need to start by assessing our relationship on the golf course. Am I your perfect playing partner? Yeah, I mean, if I could, if I could say like I'm gonna go play around a round of golf, like pick someone to go play with, it, it would be you for sure. Wow, that's really nice. Okay, yeah, I, I guess I don't know if that means that you're gonna fit all of the criteria I'm gonna sure. lay out here in a little bit, but but for sure, yeah, yeah. You also are a good playing partner. I think it's mostly based on demeanor and our ability to be around each other for a long period of time and not get annoyed with each other. So that to me is like the overall best characteristic of a playing partner. We'll dig into it, figure out what's going to make a perfect playing partner. I remind you to please rate and review the podcast, leave a review on either Apple podcasts or Spotify. Nick, for some reason, the Spotify numbers are continuing to increase. I'm not really sure what's happening there, but it's great. Leave a review there. If that's how you listen to this program, let us know who will earn the most Ryder Cup points this fall in Rome. It's right around the corner, a couple months away. That is our promotion. If you're correct, you're the first person to identify who gets the most points for the entire competition, not just USA, not just Europe. The whole competition will send you a box of Piper golf balls of your choosing. Before we get to the handicap report, do you remember, I don't know, it was probably two or three years ago, when I was really trying to pump Stitcher, the podcast application that I thought was the future of podcasting? I do remember that. Yes. I received an email from them recently saying that that application is going to be sunset in August and it no longer is going to exist. So uh, I was wrong about that. That's unbelievable. I mean, I I thought the way that you identified them so confidently, it was almost like picking a dark horse for a major. Like by the time you were done pitching this to me, I was like, oh my God, like let's get some stock. Let's not only put our podcast on this app, but like we need to go all in here. So I'm glad we didn't do that. Um, I'm, I'm sad to hear that, that news. I hope that doesn't impact at the turn too much. Um, but you know, RIP Stitcher. I looked at something like 0.02% of people find this podcast through Stitcher. So I think, I think we'll be able one to person survive. did one time. Yeah. And it was probably me. So I think, I think we're going to be okay. If it was there. <laughs> it is now time for the handicap report brought to you by blue tees. Get the number one range finder, the three max from blue tees, water resistant pulse vibration. When you lock in on the mm-hmm. correct target. Has a magnetic strip so you can slap it on the cart. Save 10% when you use promo code TURN at checkout. That's TURN, T-U-R-N, for 10% off any product at Blue Tees. Blue Tees, play different. You want to go first? I'll go first. Um, I've played one round since we last spoke. It was another 94 at Country View. My handicap went up. You know, a couple points, a couple decimal points again. Uh, it's still in the 23s. It's it's embarrassing. I will just say this, Joe. It was a sloppy 94 in a very encouraging way. Like the highlight reel. If, if you were just walking in the gallery and, and you saw me playing, you didn't see my score, you'd be like, oh my God, this is, this is a single digit handicap player who's having an off day. Whereas every other time I've shot 94, it's been like, this guy is terrible. He's lucky he's making these like nine foot bogey putts on every other hole, like scraping together a 94. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident that like, if I just clean it up a little bit, it's gonna be like an easy 85. And my handicap will still go up with an 85 because of the ridiculous way that this court is rated. We've already touched on that. Go back and listen to our last 10 episodes if you want more details on that. <laughs> and that is my handicap report, Joe. I'd love to hear yours. Can I read the text message that you sent me and Romeo about your round? Oh, my God. Yes. Meanwhile, 
I shot a 94 today. That felt like a 78, mm. which is a, an incredible start to a text message. Yeah, it really did. Best I've brings, Joe. The most brings oh. I've hit all year since wow. you and I played together. I think four was my previous high. I hit five. And it felt like it should have been 10. There's more. Best I've struck the ball ever. Better believe when I enter it into my app, I'll be sending strokes gained screenshots at 3 a.m. That sounds yeah. that sounds like where you're at right yeah. now. So, so okay, I, yeah. I, I what is the what is the total number again? I have 23 something hitting and change. I don't know. Yeah, in change. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Um, I played one round. It uh, it wasn't it wasn't my best. I I, I scrapped around for a while. Uh, made a lot of weird pars, and then I just kind of got bored and tired and hung an 85 on the board at a golf course that I should be breaking 80 at. Still at an 8.8. There you go. In, the future, in a future handicap report, there's going to be a round. I'm playing this round soon with someone who is going to beat me by at least 10 shots, even if I play my best. Hmm. This is a golfer, a highly Romy competitive. Getting together. <laughs> no. This is someone who would stomp Romy too. This is a highly competitive golfer at a high level. And I'm very, I'm playing with them tomorrow from this recording. Um, The the information is embargoed. I'm not allowed to discuss it. I know that sounds douchey and stupid, but that's literally the case. Um, So I'm very excited about it. Hopefully a future at the turn guest. And I'll tell you more about it off mic. Also, I do have the Stone Creek Club Championship coming up. So that is going to be happening. Hoping I sneak into the championship flight which would be great because I'd have the most handicapped strokes and an opportunity to get a lot of book credit. My goal with Stone Creek is just make enough money to get a three wood at the end of the season. So I think there I have like go. nine, like 95 bucks right now. So I better play well yeah. in the club championship. Yeah, you're going to need a little more than that. <laughs> I got a, I got a while to go. So I, status I quo would... a little bit hurt. Not, 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 not too bad on the handicap report. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're going, at least one of us is going the right direction. <laughs> I am going to join a new club next year with, with like a, a, a mid twenties handicap and it's, everyone's going to be outraged at how much of a sandbagger I am. It's going to go down like 10 strokes in it's the first be great. like six weeks that I play. Uh, and until then it's just going to continue to go. I think I'd have to shoot like 77 for it to even drop from what it is right now. It's just ridiculous. Well, let's, well, let's save that for what probably like, end of the year, maybe early 24, we'll break down, you know, your choices, mm-hmm. picking out a new club, sort of like we did with me at the end of 22 yeah. to, to varying degrees of success on my part. So now you're a member of two clubs. What I just <laughs> I know that's what's going to happen in 24. I'm going to be a member of two clubs. So where you're going to play is in question, but who you want to play with is what we're discussing today. We want to build our perfect playing partner. And the genesis of this thought for me was, are there certain people that I play with, with some regularity or every every so often, that I play better with or worse with? And then I started to go down a rabbit hole of like, is there any application that tracks this? Where it's not just tracking my scores, but who I play with. And is there some sort of data around me playing better or worse with certain people. I have ideas in my mind, but I wonder if that is actually true or if it just feels worse or better based on experiences. Do you do you feel like there before we get into specifics, there's certain people that you play better or worse with consistently? I've never thought about it that way. And mm. I don't play with anybody enough to to really like say like when I play with, you know, Fred, I, I I'm always, you know, having a, a right. rough day, you know. Um, I just play with who whoever else is on the first tee or or, or just play by myself. Um, but that would be really interesting to 
to track because like my ideal playing partner that I'm going to lay out for you, I don't know if I would play better with that person or not. Um, I guess ultimately my ideal playing partner is the one that gets the best golf out of me. Well, that is also a question about this too. What makes up an ideal playing partner in terms of the outcome at the end of the day? Is it someone that you have the most fun with? Is it someone who you just have the best score with? Or is it something in between those two things? I think it's got to be somewhere in between because I want to have fun, but having fun, part of that, it's it's a factor. I don't care how much you care about score or not. Playing well is going to make it more fun. Now, I've had rounds where yeah. it's been a slog and I've played pretty well, and I've had times where I've played bad and had a good time. But I think by and large, if you're looking at a bell curve, the middle of it is, you know, if it's most enjoyment, it's playing well and also having fun, right? It's a combination. Yeah, for sure. So I want to approach this with sort of a conversation. We have a loose outline of how we want to go about this, but when we start to talk, I'm curious if you're talking and like a certain person is being visualized or if this is just like an omnipotent thing. It's like a silhouette of a golfer that you can't get because they're not actually in reality. So for me, the number one thing is this. Number one most important thing in a playing partner, bar none, without a doubt, is that they're chill. I really want a person to be chill. They can play fast. They can play slow. They can be good. They can be bad. But I need this person to be... that. That's not to say they can't be jokey and have fun, but I need them to be sort of their default setting is at an even keel. They can't be too high. They can't be too low. They need to sort of be in the middle. That is that is huge because when people it just it just ruins the mood. Like if somebody takes their game too seriously, starts smashing clubs into the ground, starts screaming after every shot, like it just becomes awkward and uncomfortable. And like, then if, if, if this person gets all, gets all mad and then you go and hit a good shot, then you just, you know, it's you like feel weird about you it. Don't, you don't want to enjoy it as much. Cause you're yeah. like, well, this poor guy is like, if, if I like have a smile or a grin, or if I'm like acting confident, you know, they're going to be even more mad. It's just like really uncomfortable. So like that is so important. And I think it comes down to just like keep in perspective what you're doing. Like you're, you're presumably enjoying a really beautiful day in like summer or fall uh, outdoors at this complete recreational activity that you that you have like five or six hours out of out of your day to go enjoy like let's try not to get too mad and that I think is you know I'm I'm definitely guilty of that a few times in my golfing career kind of my most recent round I kind of I kind of went to the naughty side not even because of golf I was just tired and I was was working too much and I was sort of just regretting being on the golf course like I wish I was just like relaxing at home rather than like I, I didn't really want to play golf that day but I had like organized the whole thing so I had to be the one to to like continue to stay so I knew from the jump that I wasn't going to have a good time and you're right it is awkward when someone is too up and down so you got to keep that even keel do you have like a important characteristic that you need to see in a person um i think i think kind of like just not getting mad like i played mm. with a, a dad and son uh, a couple weeks ago and then like a random fourth um and the son was a little bit he's probably 10 years younger than us, probably like early to mid 20s and he was he was a police officer um and he was so uptight 
and he like he could hit the ball a mile like he was he was fit he was in shape but like he'd then they all of a sudden he'd swing as hard as he can and like top it like 20 yards start hitting his club into the ground and like oh why am i you know getting all riled up and then like every two or three holes like he would have some sort of like you know out meltdown burst yeah kind of yeah. like it's like dude okay like once a round is like is okay like whatever and then i was playing all right i, w- I was hitting it okay but like middle of the back nine i i like completely just like towed one out of bounds mm-hmm. and and the like i was riding in the cart with this guy and and it just went over and like took replay it or whatever and got back in like nothing happened and, and the guy's like wow like i love your attitude like i love like i love how you reacted to that and i never really thought about it but like that was a huge compliment to me because i was like oh i can like hit the worst shot of my day and like it doesn't make somebody else feel uncomfortable or like like they don't want to be around me yeah, there's nothing worse than mad guy. Mad guy's the worst guy to be around. And and I, I think you put it best earlier when you said it's just sort of awkward for the rest of the group because you can feel that person sucking the air out of your foursome. And it's so interesting. I, I always find this, that when I'm playing and someone is turned to the dark side and they sort of can't be reconciled with, uh, it's very, very serious. But when you are on the outside and you are seeing another group go through that, it immediately becomes hilarious because there's no context around what's going on over there. You just see one guy like saying, oh, fuck, or just like being crazy the whole time. And it's not like you're not involved in it. You're a spectator. And so it, it sort of exacerbates how silly it is when someone actually gets truly upset about their golf game because the people that tend to get really upset are not the ones that are grinding at the driving range every week and are really focused on their short game and are trying to approach it and shave strokes. It's just a weekend golfer who is shocked that when they come out and play every three weeks that they're not shooting 74. And it's like, yeah. you have to, keeping it in perspective is really, really important. Um, this is sort of a vague one, but a really, one of my favorite people to play golf with. He's, he, he, he didn't say this about golf. He said it about life. There are people that get it, and there are people that don't get it. And people that get it are crucial when building a perfect playing partner. And when I say get it, I just sort of mean like a high court awareness, a high course IQ, understanding certain contexts and situations and when it is time to talk, when it is time to hit your golf ball, when it's time to play music, when it's time to stop for a drink. Just understanding the rhythm of the round of golf when it's time to crack a joke, when it's time to shut your mouth. Like there, I, I, I think most people are like an eight out of 10 on this scale, but when you're with someone who's very low on it or with someone who is a 10 out of 10 and is totally simpatico with you, I think that is really important. Does that make sense? Kind of the high course IQ. You, you totally take it for granted until you're on the course with somebody who doesn't get it. And you're like, Oh my God, like, what is this person doing? Like, I'm no longer playing golf. I'm teaching somebody how to be on a golf course. Um, and that's okay if they're a beginner or if they're just oblivious, it's, it's, it's really not okay. Um, but I didn't even think of that because of the fact that you just take it for granted. Like you assume that somebody can, can handle and compose themselves on a golf course. Yeah. And to me, it's like, there's etiquette, which is like not walking in someone's line and, you know, repairing your ball mark on the green and putting sand in a divot and all that kind of stuff. And that and that's part of it as well. To me, that's manners like the course IQ is just all the stuff 
in between actually hitting your golf shot, understanding what to do, where to stand. If someone is 120 yards in the right rough and your ball is 60 yards away in the left rough, walking up to your ball, if there's time to do so, just these little things throughout the course of the round that not only speed it up, but also keep you engaged and keep you in rhythm and and just keep you with the round of golf. There's just there's a time to do things and a time not to. And someone with a very high course IQ puts me at ease because in my head, and this is this is a, a thing that I have to deal with, but I always feel like I have to sort of be like the captain or the quarterback, kind of keeping everyone in line. I don't actually have to do that, and I probably shouldn't focus on that so much. But when people aren't behaving the way they should be in terms of I guess pace of play for lack of a better term that really does kind of weigh on me. And I'm focused more on that than trying not to hook this five iron into the road. Okay. Pace of play is important because it's all over the map. And I was thinking about this. I think my, my ideal playing partner is like just barely slower than I am. And Uh. I think I, I don't think I'm, I think I, my pace is pretty average. I don't know. You could probably speak to that better th- than I than I could. It is. Um, but I think if if I'm playing with somebody who's a little bit faster than me, I'm more likely to get out of my rhythm and and rush and and like not go through, not get myself comfortable and ready to hit shots. Then if somebody's just a little bit slower, I can I can do my normal thing and I'm not worried about like slowing down the pace or slowing them down or anything like that or them worrying like is Nick is Nick taking, why is Nick so slow? Anything like that. So like somebody who's just, just barely slower than me. Like if I'm a, if I'm a seven, they're a six or whatever it is. I don't, I don't really know, but that way I'm just playing my normal pace. And I'm not, I don't have to think about it a single time throughout the round, but we're also not playing slowly as a group. So you're more bothered by someone who is extremely fast rather than extremely slow, because if someone's extremely slow, you know you're playing faster than them, and therefore you're not the reason you're being held up. But if someone plays extremely fast, then it starts to creep in the back of your mind like, do I take forever out here? Am I sl- Exactly. I'm way more likely to, de-mail, to derail my round or to just like lose focus and concentration if I'm worried that I'm playing slow then like I will be, then I'd lose focus. Like if we're just playing a tiny bit slower than I would play normal. Sometimes by myself, I'll intentionally just play fast. And like, that's the rhythm that I set. And like, I'll just like, okay, I want to get to whatever I want to get to after I'm playing golf. And that's fine. But if somebody else is like pushing that pace, I would be distracted, like just trying to rush rather than just playing my game. That's so interesting. I find that I'm the complete opposite where if I play with someone who is much faster than me, and I think I'm about where you are, I'm probably average in terms of pace. If I find if I play with someone who's faster than me, I actually slow down because how I think of it is as a scale. If I'm playing with a fast golfer and I play average pace, we're two pretty fast golfers. But if I play with someone who's fast and I play a little slower and I'm more into my routine, it kind of allows me to balance out that person and we're two regularly paced golfers. Whereas if I, an average pace golfer, play with a slower golfer, then I try to speed things up to balance that out. And then I'm out of my routine. So I would rather play with someone who's incredibly fast than someone who's incredibly slow. Like if I had to pick an extreme, that's the one I would pick. By and large, I'd like for someone to play a little bit faster than me rather than like way faster than me. Because again, I think it balances me out. It slows me down. So you feel like you need to you, part of your job is to balance the pace, not rather than just go at the pace that's that's being dictated to you. 
again, that's that's that quarterback syndrome, captain syndrome that I, for some reason I feel like I have to have. This mm-hmm. is a really um, a revealing conversation that we're having. This is great. Yeah, I do feel like I have to balance out the group to kind of restore equilibrium. Wherever there's an imbalance, I try to sort of, and I don't consciously think about it. I don't think at the time, but in retrospect, like on the drive home, I'm probably thinking about that a little bit. Yeah, and and I'll say like I'll kind of put a caveat on onto what I said is like if we're in a group, if I'm with with three other players, and it's clear we're we're starting to play slow, um, I'll I'll pick it up and I'll I'll even say like we got we got to pick it up, you know. So I don't mind like playing faster in that respect, like if it's if it's like a, a more broader pace of play issue sure. in the course. But if we're playing within like the prescribed times, I'd rather not be the one who's rushing. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's tough for me to do sometimes. I will I will speak up to the group if it's a group issue, if there's like a hole or a hole and a half ahead of us. I'm like, guys, we got to play ready golf. Like people are waiting on us. There's a whole hole ahead of us. This is something that I think is a little bit sneaky. It is in line with pace of play. But my perfect playing partner watches their golf ball and at least has a general idea of where it goes if they hit it in the woods or the shit. Also, conversely, they will not declare where my ball is or other people's balls incorrectly because that is almost worse than not knowing where your ball is. Prognosticating where my ball is when I know they're incorrect. Oftentimes when that happens, I just don't say anything because I'm like, all right, well, I actually know where that ball is. It, you know, it's it's fine. But <clears throat> keeping track of your golf ball and not leading people astray on other golf balls is a crucial element. I know that's a, that's a huge pet peeve of yours when, when people don't watch their golf ball. And I just don't I, get I, it. How do you not yeah, know? You you know. hit it. I know. I know. Does well, that one bug you as much? It doesn't, does it? Um, I think I'm less likely to help people look for their golf ball than you are, so it doesn't bother me quite as much. Um, and I usually find my golf ball when it's in play. So I don't think – I mean, like, there's times I – just misjudge where where like what tree I think yeah. landed by or whatever that that's, happens. That's part of the game. Sure, uh, when you're hitting it as far as I am, you know, and your eyes are getting bad, you know, that's part of the game. Um, it's funny. I, I played with a couple guys. I think a couple weeks ago, you know, it was a short par four, and, and kid smashed a driver. It was probably up by the green, and it was almost the opposite. Like the guy who hit the ball was searching like fifty yards short. And I heard one time his playing partner think like, say like, I think you should drive up a little more. And the guy didn't ended up taking a loss. But I was, I was a country view, those outer bounds right, right next to if he missed. Um, we all saw it land in bounds, like pretty safely in bounds, like probably mm. you know, five plus yards. And he just took up, took his penalty, whatever, finished the hole. And then after we get off the hole, his partner's like, yeah, dude, I'm pretty sure you were in bounds just up next to the green, like 50 yards farther than you were looking. And I'm like, Okay, you did you did mention this like in passing earlier, but like drive the cart up there and find his ball up there. And I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was right. I'm pretty sure like he was in bounds next to the green and the guy was looking nowhere near where his ball was. I was on the other side of the fairway. I was like, I can't be bothered by this. I'm just going to let this play out the way it is. But but I'm like, dude, your your ball is in play. And you just took an out of bounds penalty because you were looking 50 yards short of where it ended up. Yeah, and I guess that's that's another side part of this is two people should not be looking in the same spot. Cover ground that hasn't already been covered. I, when, when someone's looking in the woods and I go over to help, I always ask, have you looked up there or have you looked back there? 
Don't look in the same spot. We don't need two people looking in the same 15 yard radius. Go like 30 yards up or 30 yards behind. It's like the reason it's such a pet peeve is because it's such an easy thing to do to like look for a white ball among grass and trees. It's not difficult. When I was like six years old and my dad was looking for a hammer or whatever he was looking for, I would always like stand right in his hip pocket and look and he'd be like, I don't need you to look right here. A lesson we should have learned by the time we hit first grade. I have another one, but do you have another one of building Um, your perfect playing partner? I do. I have one last one. I think it's one last one. Um, Skill level slash ability. I want them to be almost like the pace of play, like, like, equal to me or just a little bit better mm. um like maybe like their hand like god i can't imagine playing with another person with a 23 handicap like i would probably just annihilate them i feel like i, I think i want them to be like a 15 handicap and I, I look at that as be equal but anyways i want to whether or not i want to have the ability to like throw out a game like hey let's let's put five mm. bucks on a match or whatever or even if we don't do that if it's like a stranger i'm not i just don't trust them to play by the rules so i'm not putting money on it I still want to play that game in my head, like track their score, track my score, like, you know, kind of get into that competitive mode where like uh, I can get this up and down and, you know, win the hole or whatever, even if, even if they don't know we're playing, like I want to be comparing myself and kind of get into that competitive mode. I think that helps me stay in around after a bad hole. I, I know. Okay. I just made double this, this hole is important, but like, when I'm not playing with with anybody or, or not playing with anybody with my skill level, it's much harder to like really I, – I know it's important, but it's much harder to actually step up and, and, and just kind of get into that zone, I guess. Yeah, I, I think the, the skill level thing is an interesting one because overall, I'd rather play with someone better than me. I would. I, I, I think it's good to have a carrot to chase rather than – well, it's almost like it's easier to – you always see people on a Sunday of a golf tournament shoot a low score early in the round on Sunday because it's easier to chase than play from ahead. And it's not like you're necessarily playing your playing partners. I think a lot of people probably play their best when they're just playing the golf course, frankly. But having something like that in front of you is important. I think for me, it's not necessarily tied to a specific handicap or score that a person shoots. I just want to play with people who have the ability to hit the same level of shots that I am hitting. So that could be someone, I mean, you, you have that ability, Nick, and you're a 23. So it's not necessarily tied to a handicap. It's just someone who can make a lot of, you know, I've been hitting the ball really, really well. You hit five greens on that test. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, someone who can hit their driver, let's say 250 yards, which frankly is probably most people 40 and under now. I mean, the technology is so good. If you have a good golf swing or even an okay golf swing, the ball's probably going to go 250. Someone who can make a putt 10 feet or longer, someone who can hit a good chip and someone can hit an iron on a green. And frankly, that's basically everybody that I play with. So just seeing someone hitting good shots, even with irregularity helps me on the golf course. Playing with someone who doesn't really have any concept of the game of golf or like can't compress a golf ball, that can be a little bit challenging over the course of 18 holes if that is what my entire group is comprised of. It's pretty uncommon that that happens, but I will say I think I have a tendency to shoot my best scores when I'm playing with people overall that are better than me. Yeah, that, that, that makes perfect sense.
But that being said, I've shot some of my best rounds. I mean, I don't mean this as a dig, playing playing with you. And, you know, you're a double-digit handicap. And, you know, I still have been able to get locked in because, again, you have the ability to hit those shots. Even (laughs) with infrequency, they do occur. (laughs) They're they're out there somewhere. They're they're, they're within the, the dispersion model that you have. Right. I might hit... I mean, this is this is with all seriousness, even though it sounds ridiculous. Like, I might make a triple bogey on a hole because I hit a drive 250 yards. It was just offline and went out of bounds, you know, rather yeah. than topping it three times and then hitting one good shot, then getting up in, in three putting. Like, like, not all triple bogeys are created equally. <laughs> Boy, the no not truer all, words. Not all 95s are created equally. I mean, you're just ripping off slogans for this podcast right now. <laughs> I think... So just to kind of put a button on it, overall, I just want to be with someone who's at an even keel, has a high course IQ, understanding what they need to do at a specific time. They keep their eyes on the damn golf ball and everyone else's golf ball to know what's going on. And they have the ability to hit decent golf shots, even if it's not every time, every so often. That's kind of my perfect golfer. Okay. I have one thing that's anecdotal. This is all kind of an anecdotal, really, because, because the people I play with at Country View... I get out of there. I, I know, seriously. Um, I was I was playing with a, a, a random, and I had a I, I chipped with a with a sand wedge from like five yards off the green, and it was like the middle of the round. It was eighth hole, and I was I think I was four over through that point, like four over through seven. I hit a bad chip with a sand wedge, and the guy goes, "Why does everybody?" chip with their wedges what's wrong with using a seven iron everybody does this it's so stupid what's the point of that look what it you know and i'm like i i i I still had a putt and so i didn't i just didn't even respond and i was like i'm gonna let this go i'm not gonna respond um and then i i i two putted i and then like we're walking off the green and he brings it back up again and he's like i don't know why you know it kind of goes back into this thing and i just at that point i said I hit him with some some stats, some loose Stagner, and I said, "Look, when, unless you're a low single digit handicap, you're you gain more strokes by using one club around the greens rather than switching clubs depending on every single situation." So that's what I do, and from then on out, I just rooted against him. He topped his next tee shot. I hit a yes. drive like two seventy in the fairway, yes. um, and I was I was I was staunchly rooting against him the rest of the round which was enjoyable because he was not a very good player whatsoever. And I even shooting my 94, I handily handled him. That's, that's wonderful. That's, that is so awful. And don't, so don't do that. If you're somebody's playing partner, unsolicited advice, especially to strangers. I've always chipped with my 56 degree sandwich and I feel like I'm a above average chipper. I don't know. Um, that what an asshole. I yeah. can't believe that. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. So you're Especially saying that guy like somebody somebody hits a bad shot and then you're like you're like yeah. weighing into them on like right. how dumb and I'm like okay it's like if you hit a tee shot out of bounds it's like oh god why does everyone slice the ball oh my god you should <laughs> you try to hit a draw I know and then I I had to bite my tongue after he topped his drive on the on the I'm, next I'm sure <laughs> oh you should really try to hit make make proper contact with the golf ball I think you were a little yeah. grooves low on there yeah, yeah. what a dickhead seriously um anything else on your perfect golfer no, no, that's it. I'll uh, I'll let you know when I when I find him or her. <laughs> yeah, if you if you meet them, please introduce me. That sounds like I think, fun. Actually, I do have one. I had I do have one more. Please, the perfect the perfect golfer 
takes you up when you offer a beer at the start of the round. It returns the favor at the turn. That's that's you a great to, one. You don't have to go wild. You don't have to be like shotgunning a beer in every tee box, but like one or two on the front, you give. One or two on the back, you reciprocate. Receive. It's all good. Yep. That's that's a big one. Understanding the dynamic of a beer for a beer. And with that, it is time for the Mad Golfer of the Week. It's brought to you by Piper Golf. Use the promo code TURN10 at checkout for 10% off of everything at Piper.golf. Golf balls for plus ones and 25s for much, much less than a Titleist or Callaway. The season is, well, we're in full swing. Stock up using promo code TURN10 at checkout at Piper.golf. Now, Nick, this is somewhat tangentially related to the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> now, they have, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the dynamic of the basketball arenas and where they're situated in the city of Portland, but there's the Memorial Coliseum, which is where the Blazers won their championship in 1997. They built a new stadium, the Rose Garden, in 1995. Did No, they won the championship in 1977. If I said 1997, I was way off. Thank you. They may they probably got knocked out in the first round in 1997. So the Memorial Coliseum is actually the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. It is a literal memorial to veterans. So they can't knock it down. The arena that we have now, 1995, that's almost 30 years ago. We need a new arena. There's nowhere to build the thing. So they can't knock down the Rose Garden because you can't play in the Coliseum. So they're shopping for sites. They're looking for arenas, and one of which is way out in Beaverton which A, would be a disaster, but B, is actually a golf course. Red Tail Golf Course. Used hmm. to be called Progress Downs. Used to be owned by, the, it used to be considered a Portland Rota course. It got sold. Okay. Progress Downs was my dad's favorite course in the area a long time ago, the 90s. They sold it. It's called Red Tail. I bought my clubs there. I bought my five wood there. Great place to buy golf clubs. Perhaps the worst maintained golf course in the city for the price. It will take you at least three hours to play a Twilight Nine out there. And to top it all off, every male employee, the females, the women are very, very nice. Every male employee is the most ridiculous asshole you will ever deal with. And so I thought to myself, there's got to be a few mad golfers about Red Tail. And oh, baby, was I right. They were accused of low-key racism i got some misogyny i got just general being dicks and you know what i believe all of it i'm very happy to go on record about that everyone at red tail has been completely rude the men the women are great the men are awful out there here we go this is from jt he says quote this is probably the worst playing golf course in beaverton slash portland greens are manicured like the first cut of other courses there is no fairway it's all rough Good luck finding your ball on some of the holes that are extra swampy, even if you hit the fairway. With the amount red tail charges for green fees and how long the course has been around, you'd think they would put some money back into the course and install proper drainage. Do yourself a favor and pay the extra few bucks to play Stone Creek or Langdon. I'd even choose Mountain View Golf Course over this swamp. Mountain View is way out in Clackamas County, out my neck of the woods. JT is one of many golfers upset at red tail. He is our mad golfer of the week. That's an incredible backstory. That whole, I had to that give a little soliloquy yeah, no, there. Great. It, it For a little more context, Red Tail was five minutes away from my office. I don't work there in person anymore. I work remotely, but it was great to hop over there. I, I'd hit balls like three days a week. 
um, on my lunch break when I was a four. <laughs> now I'm at yeah. eight because I don't do that it anymore. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> um, but I would be tempted and I would play an occasional Twilight Nine. And every time I'd get to like the second hole, I'm just like, this is this is horrible. It's just bad maintain, bad design. Anyway, I'm Nothing a mad worse golfer. Than instant week bias remorse on the golf course. The worst. Like, like you mentioned earlier where you like played this round, but you should have just like been at home relaxing. And it's like, yeah, just because you had a window to sneak in golf. Sometimes you're out there and you're like, Oh my God, like I, I could be cutting the grass. I could yes. be, I could be like getting to all these things that I've been wanting to do for so long. And instead totally. I'm out here playing golf, forcing myself to do it. I actually literally took a PTO day tomorrow to play this special round of golf. And so oh, it's just going to be, I'm very excited. It's just a day of golf. It's going to be relaxing. I don't care about the outcome. It's just going to be fun. Okay, that is your Matt Golfer of the Week. With that, it is now time for Nick Rolls. Brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout. Joe, the last time we recorded a podcast, we talked about players rolling their ball, fluffing their lie, giving themselves preferred lies. And I'm bringing it back because I posted this question on Twitter. I got 35 replies. Wow. All across the board. Of, of people explaining why they would or would not give themselves preferred lies. So I'm just going to read a handful of the ones that I think are better. Stop Great. me if you want. Otherwise, I'll just keep going. Yeah. So this one is just to give context. Uh, I don't know if I could put a percentage on it, but I've seen it pretty frequently in my travels around New Jersey. So basically, the question was, do you roll your ball, give yourself preferred lies, and where, where are you from? Because I, I wanted to find out if there was a geographical element to this. Sure. So, so Orson Rosas, who I think is like on a quest to play every course in New Jersey, says cool. he sees it quite a bit. He didn't admit or deny himself personally, but that's fine. Because we got a list of yesers, people who would openly admit to cheating. I will also say, <laughs> I will say, because I, I actually posted an article about this. On golfing, I wrote about it. I, I got, I got kind of into this. Like it was, yeah. it was a hot topic. And this goes without saying. This isn't like new information that I learned. But if you cheat, if you break the rules, you can't post that score to your handicap. There's like three right. rules for handicapping, and one of them is you have to play by the rules of golf. So I don't want people, I don't want any listeners, rolling their ball, improving their lie in the fairway, doing any of this stuff. In posting that score to their handicap, don't do that. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to cheat, tell your tell your girlfriend you shot, you know, ninety seven, and you you just don't have to post it. Like that's fine, but, but like it's not official. So anyway, some honor, some honor, exactly. So the yesers, I always sort of lol at this subject. Professionals played the best courses in the world. So oh every God. shot out of the fairway is damn near perfect. If you're in the fairway at your Muni, clean lift and replace it isn't that big of a deal. That's from Ryan. Why are Ryan. we comparing ourselves to professionals? Why are you bringing Why are you bringing Scotty Scheffler into this? That has no impact on whether or not I follow the rules. I I I have to take some umbrage with what Ryan says. If you have very specific landing areas on a golf course like Augusta, like I'm thinking of nine, for example, where everyone kind of lands in the same little bowl area, people land in divots and you have to hit out of there. The likelihood you're going to land in a divot on a course like that is a lot more high than a golf course where so few people actually hit the fairway. Yeah. And like nobody hits the fairway in the in the same 
distances because exactly might hit their drive 170 yards and somebody might hit it 210 okay precisely we're gonna keep going chief nakahoma says cool depends on course condition i roll it at my course because the turf is subpar and a fairway lie should be an advantage not a disadvantage Okay, this is this is crazy. Glendevere has the I mean, you're better hitting in the rough in Glendevere. But guess what? In the club championship, you don't get to move your ball to a preferred lie. If you're in a patch of dirt or if you're under a tree or if you're in the goddamn jogging path, you got to hit it off that thing. Right. The jogging path, you probably don't have to. You probably get relief. But anyways, I I don't think you do. Okay, you you might not. (laughs) You might not. But there are. okay. another clarification. There are times under the rules of golf. You do get relief if the committee, whether it's the golf course staff when you check in or the right. tournament committee that you're playing in says, look, we're playing it up to pl- today. We're playing preferred lies, winter rules, whatever you want to call it. That's perfectly fine. That's in the rules of golf. If the committee decides and you can still post that score, it still counts, whatever. You don't just get to do it on every shot in mid-July because you feel like it. We do. We we do that. I mean, every men's club I've been in in Oregon, I would say at least through you know, early May. March through May, we're playing preferred lies just because your ball plugs every shot. Yeah. Okay. I've got a couple more, a couple more admitted cheaters. Um, dude, we're five to 18 handicappers. He does not listen to the handicap report. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proud 23 playing on courses that aren't pristine, making sure we have a decent lie. Isn't going to make a huge difference on a scorecard, but help us in knowing that it was our error in striking the ball. LOL. That's from Tim Burnett. This, I, I can't even let you react to that. I've got one more that is. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is the worst. This is the worst response. The reply really? I've gotten from all of them. Okay. If the course is not up to my expectations, for oh example, I only play private club courses. If I am on vacation and I go to a public course and I hit it perfect and there is no grass, then I roll it into the grass. Why should I be penalized for inferior conditions? Do we have a name associated with that? Double B. Double B, I'm never playing golf with you. You sound like a walking nightmare. That's, uh, wow. Well, he only plays private courses anyways, Joe, so. Double B definitely does not take his shopping cart back to the little cart area. He just leaves it on the curb. Ah, he's the worst. Okay. Anyone who agrees with us? Are we going crazy? We have some people with integrity, yes. Okay, thank God. We have some people with integrity. Good. Um, We went global with this. Never seen that happen here in India. That's from... mm, Duraner Upasak. Thank you, Duraner. Uh, the ball striker said, quit playing with hacks. Yes. Another another great piece of advice. <laughs> um, Blue Heron said, it's a very bad habit. Once a golfer starts moving the ball around, it gets in their head, and they don't have the confidence to hit it where it lies. This is so true. If you move it on the first hole, why are you? When are you ever not going to move it after that? You're going to be like, well, there's a there's a piece of grass there. There's this. There's that. Like, just don't set that precedent. If you commit your first homicide, the second one is easier. It's it's easier. The last one, and this is this is what I was trying to get to the entire the entire time. And somebody here we go. Desert dweller just came out and said it. It's a regional thing. East coasters cheat like hell. <laughs> are you desert dweller? You're from Moscow. I'm not Desert Dweller, no, but, okay. but I but I want to be playing partners with Desert Dweller. I love that. That is um I'll have to talk to my dad about that. We haven't talked about that in a while, but 
as someone who played most of his life in the East Coast and someone who loves the rules, um, I will. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious uh, what he has to say about that. That's so interesting. God, I can't believe BB. What a what a prick. Unbelievable. Honestly, unreal. I'm glad that you were able to get so much content out of this. This is this is wonderful. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot more, honestly, that uh, I, I didn't go into. There was like replies to replies, and it was sure it, it went deep. It was good. It was it was really good. Once people start commenting uh, on some of these things, they start some infighting. It's like, all right, I got enough out of this. I can just I can just eject myself from this conversation, not to be a part of it anymore. Yeah. Um, Nick, we're we're gonna get older soon. Our uh, our birthday month is um, mm. it's coming up. Um, I think we should probably talk about what 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 a what a good golf birthday looks like for us. That's I, I love that because okay. we should do it soon. My birthday, yeah, birthday's coming up. <laughs> my my birthday this year is on a Sunday, and I yeah. haven't. Besides the Corner Club Open, I have not played golf on a weekend all year. And really? Yeah, it's true. And I'm I'm debating. I'm, I'm I'm thinking about organizing a birthday round. Ah, you should. Um, mine is on a Monday. Um, I'm probably the only person to say this, but I want to recreate what happened in 2020. Um. Lacey and I, Lacey went out because, you know, you, you were by, even in August, you were still kind of by yourselves out there. Um, but we rented a cart. We brought a cooler with four cans of wine. I played 18 holes. Lacey probably played about 11 and a half. And we did that played by ourselves, had a great day, went to my parents' house, had a big barbecue, a couple more beers. Then we came back, watched a movie. It was like a perfect birthday day. And what I want to get to, and, and we'll save it is, is that, because of COVID, like, can I relive that? Do I need to just move on from that and find something else? But we're both taking the day off for my birthday on the 14th. Lacey's big into birthdays, so I had to take it off. Oh, no. And, um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. So we'll do awesome. we'll do a special birthday episode um, coming up soon. Um, we're getting into the dog days, man. I'm already starting to plan um, potential, like, end of season little little trips that are happening once it once it rolls into august i mean we're basically kind of on the precipice of football season hard knocks is going to be out i'm sure dan mm. campbell's going to be saying weird shit soon so it should be fun are you any more optimistic about the lions the lions could win that division my aunt texted me no more than four days ago and said they are saying lions and super bowl in the same sentence yes here in on the detroit radio and I said, it is July. <laughs> so yeah, the we'll Tigers see. aren't very good, are they? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. I mean, we'll yeah. see. There's optimism. Um, there should be. Yeah. They were a fun team last year. The division sucks this year. So I'm rooting for them. It's just, it's one of those things where the less people get excited about the Lions, the more likely they will actually succeed rather than them living up to the preseason expectations. And all right. that, that is my football. That is all I got for at the turn football. We're, we're talking lines. We should lions probably are probably going to suck. <laughs> lions are probably going to suck. That's my prediction. We'll, uh, we'll check back. We'll, we'll do some accountability in December. <laughs> I can't wait. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And hey, good luck building your perfect playing partner. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.